Welcome back. This will be the first conversation I have with a guy. I'm excited about it, nervous about it, because I have my own biases. I realized that moving into this episode because I was so shocked at how the conversation went with Ash and I'm so happy with how it came out as well because I have learned some things. He's really challenged some of the views I have on what you can do and what you can bring to a relationship and how you bring it to a relationship. Really do hope you enjoy this. Thank you so much for listening. And also with every conversation, if you have any questions, comments, feedback, I'm all ears. Just keep it kind. Thank you so much. You are the first male to have a conversation. (laughs) Yeah. The first male to have a conversation with me. Uh, Always kicking things off at the moment, MSN style. So uh, we ask people their name, sexual preference and relationship status in honour of the old age sex location from way back when. You're looking at me a bit confused, like, what the fuck is that? No, so I... So I'm Ash, um, male, and been living in Birmingham, but moved around a lot. Um, and my sexual preference, I would, I classify myself as heterosexual straight, um, but I'm also, I'd say, fairly just open as a character. Um, I don't mm-hmm. like to necessarily put sexuality in a, a particular box um, as yeah. binary as, as as that. So, so yeah. Interesting. Okay, and uh, relationship status. Uh, relationship status, yeah. So I'm in a relationship uh, at the moment, um, and I, I am also separated, going through a divorce as well from previous relationships. So throw that one in there as well. Um, I believe uh, someone else called that if it was on Facebook, complicated. Yes, I, uh, yeah, I usually <laughs> fall in a complicated status. I'd say it's fair. It's fair to assume that with my relationships. So. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that is, yeah, it's a, it's a whole thing. But I, I really want to actually, uh, before we kick off, just say thank you so much for coming on because you are the first guy to actually go ahead with a conversation with me. And I think the reason why I could fall into the trap of just speaking to women, because it's easy to do that. I'm a woman. Women are more potentially more open to to speaking about this stuff. But I thought that to to really understand it from all kinds of sides, like all different places in relationships, intimate relationships, is that we have to listen to the guys and their experiences and how they interpret stuff. And I know that we're still in that space where there's that over like very masculine, don't talk about things and you're riding on your white horse and fix everything and and all this shit. And um, so, yeah, I just really appreciate that because I think I even have my own biases on how guys probably interpret stuff. And also just because I'm not really well-versed in the the guy domain, being from like a, a household full of women, also a lesbian, really just not... Yeah, not in my wheelhouse. I, do you know what? I, I get it. Yeah. And it's odd because as even as a male, been in the male world growing up and, you know, been a heterosexual, it's, it's hard because guys don't seem to share some of this stuff with each other. So it kind of feels like you're on your own a little bit. And mm. um, you don't... I think that kind of shows as well as you start to go through sort of teenagers uh, years and then your adulthood, you kind of start to realise that you probably aren't as developed or as... Um, 
uncomfortable yet because yeah. you haven't had that time to share and explore and bounce stuff off. Whereas I find women definitely do that more. And I know I've definitely spent more time with my female friends who is talking about, you know, how I feel, my emotions, you know, my relationships, my, my preferences, sex, and things like that, rather than men. Mm. And when you talk to men, you get a real mixed uh, look back from them, kind of, they're slightly uncomfortable straight away, or actually uncomfortable, but up to a point, you know, and you definitely yeah. see that. So it's an interesting one. I wouldn't say I'm necessarily fully versed then as, as a man either, but I don't think many men are, so. To be honest, I mean, the conversations that I've been having, I don't think anybody's fully versed at well versed in in feelings and relationships. And that's actually been kind of eye opening for me. But yeah, I guess the stereotype is that that guys just don't. I mean, straight away though, it makes me want to like ask, what's that like though? Being a guy growing up not really talking about your feelings. How the fuck do you then like process like your feelings? Like not just, you know, let's not go all broad spectrum of feelings, but how do you then process when you like someone or you have feelings for someone or you you experience heartbreak as a kid into adulthood if it's all kind of very siloed? Yeah, I think I think it is it's really hard to do that. I think it's a bit of a journey, I think, from what I've noticed and, and sort of looking back in hindsight, you can really see it's not as straightforward as you kind of just, you know, go out with your feelings or, or you don't. Is it, you can't be like that. It has to be a case of, you know, you feel something, you don't really know what to do with it. You try and share it maybe. Um, you kind of, it didn't work, you know, when you tried to share it or maybe the other person wasn't receptive to it. Um, and you kind of go for that journey a little bit. And I think that also kind of ties in with, how you develop to understanding what that feeling or emotion is. So like, love's a great example of this. You only have a reference point, your, your parents really, when you grow up for what love is and mm. for, for good or bad. And what I find interesting is you kind of then see this kind of um, persona of love for movies and from Disney and you know whatever mm -hmm. else that's kind of like, this is how perfect it should be. And then you're stuck in this middle going, like, I've got this like, Thing called love, and I don't really know, you know what it is because yeah. I've got two different things kind of kind of explained to me. But also, I can't relate to that because I'm not feeling that in my natural interactions with people. Mm. And I think it's interesting how I think you start to develop a, kind of a view of what love is, and mm. that is usually based on interactions with you know the 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 person that you kind of start to fancy or like. Yeah. And I think those first interactions are really important to shaping it. I know with mine, you know, when I first started liking someone, it's been like, wow, you know, it's kind of like this, this is, I'm in love straight away. And then yeah. as you go through and go, actually, like, it feels like it's not perfect or it feels like it, you know, actually I can't share how I feel or actually the other person struggles on their side, you know, they're, they're also going for their journey, right? So you kind of start to get this feeling going, oh, I can't share stuff now. And mm. you kind of close out yeah. up again, and it's interesting how you suddenly start to go, oh, okay, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not doing it right. You know, okay, maybe, yeah. This is real thing of uh, maybe that's not what I what you do, because you you don't have a reference point for that. And um, I noticed that the the tipping point for me where I started to really get it was actually just share what you feel and see what comes back. You know, 
Yeah. You don't need the other person to actually validate that feeling. You don't need them to show you, oh yeah, that's, you must be love or, you know, you either feel it or you're not and you're not looking for anything from it. Then actually what I found mm. is people just start to, you know, share the feeling and then you start to get a consensus, more of a consensus of actually people are in love or not in love or, you know, this is what love feels like. Or, you know, it's not as straightforward as it you know, originally seems and everyone makes out to me, but you're aware of that now. Um, mm. And I'll be honest, it took me to what mid thirties to kind of really get a sense of that and be comfortable enough to do that as a man. I think women, yeah. I think generally, I've noticed do it a bit younger, you know, before thirties usually. But but men, I think you know, I, I know guys in their fifties who still really uncomfortable with this stuff, you know. And I think it's mm. partially because they've just never been able to share and open up about it, and they all their expectancy will be back when they do and they don't get it, and therefore they, they shut it down really quickly after that as a result. Yeah. One, I feel like Disney and the film industry and all of that have like a lot to answer for in just how we've all kind of grown up in thinking about uh, how relationships should go and, and falling in love and what, should, what that should be like. But what was the turning point for you? So you, you were in this state of play and then it started turning for you. What was that turning point for you? So... I think there's been, it's not just been one, I think there's been like a couple of sort of key points on that journey. Mm. I think the first one was I went to a private school um, as the only Asian in the school and had, mm. um, you know, it's when you start to get into your teens, you start to find people attractive. And I was bullied quite a bit um, mm. by male peers predominantly um, for race or, you know, not fitting in and so on and so forth. And, mm. That really knocked my, I suppose, my confidence and kind of took yeah. a lot out of me. You know, it really kind of shut me down as a man to open up to other men. You know, mm. people you thought you were friends with weren't there to support you when you get bullied. You know, that kind of stuff. So you yeah. automatically you kind of realise, actually, I'm, I can't be open with these people. And so I guess I shut off from opening up with guys a lot. And I found that women were more just empathetic to me. And mm. I, as a result, I kind of found it easier to speak to women, found women attractive, um and yeah then started fancying them and I guess when I that first part of the journey was I started to open up to women you know telling them I find them attractive or you know want to go on a date with them and things like that and then you get the rejection bit which I think everyone goes mm. through you know they don't like you back and that was a big shock to me and I think at that point I kind of probably hit a bit of a rock bottom as a kid and was not enjoying school and I was like right mm. okay um this, yeah, you know, I've just become really insular. And I had this opportunity to go to college and almost reinvent myself and be who I want to be, who, who I think people yeah. expect me to be. And so I did that. And so I kind of just went from being quite insular to really outgoing like almost overnight. And as a result of that, I kind of just started to get on well with people, boys and girls. And mm. that in itself kind of made me realize actually, like, I am, you know, people do find me attractive. People do like spending time with me. They, you know, I also, do vibe off, get, you know, spending time with them. But I think that really changed how I interact and how much I open up with people. And I noticed in that period that if I open up and if I um, share, you know, I think what they want to see, um, mm. they will then open up back. And then you start to kind of build a relationship, uh, whether that's a friendship, whether that's a, you know, a natural relationship or whether it's, you know, fairly platonic. But, you know, and that kind of really shaped, I suppose, the next couple of, years of my life where you you kind of interact with people and you can 
I suppose you know started dating women on on mass or going into uni, mm. and I just realised that things like confidence, being able to be relatively open, um, a huge attractive as a, as a thinking person, and um, yeah, and it also was quite um, nice to be free in a way. Um, but I realised during that journey, I'm not being me. I'm not being my authentic self. I'm being everything that everyone expects to be or trying to fit in mm. with everyone. And so when I got to start my mid-20s, um, I got, I'll be honest, I got into a bit of a, a pickle with, I was sort of dating multiple people and cheating. And Oof. Yeah, yeah, and I and I kind of, it's an odd one because I've, I've done it in my life and I just like, I don't really want to hurt other people, mm. but I clearly am doing this for a need. And I... And obviously, after sort of growing up, you kind of realise um, why I'm doing, why you're doing it. It's because I, you know, I want that love to be reciprocated. I want acceptance. I want all these things um, that I probably am lacking, especially from my childhood. Mm. And so I started to realise that you know that's that's the barrier. I'm hitting this barrier when I'm in my sort of late twenties, mm. where I, I'm not really building relationships with people, and therefore you can't really have. You know, a, a true loving relationship if you you can't kind of expose yourself make yourself vulnerable enough but yeah how the hell you do that as a sort of a 30 year old man is you know god knows and um so it's taken me a while to kind of get to a place where i'm comfortable where i don't need to seek that acceptance from other people and kind of do that and i'll be honest i went through counseling and stuff for helping with that but as soon as i did that mm-hmm. it was a huge sort of pressure off off me um I can interact with someone and not expect anything back. And usually as a result, people, you know, reciprocate. Yeah. They actually like the fact that you've been open. Um, it means your relationships go from being, you know, you think you like someone and, and connecting with them to really connecting with them, you know. Yeah. And it just, it's a different game really. And when I started to do that, I started to uh, realize, you know, that's, that's where it's at. And I think, and this is kind of the interesting thing about the whole journey. You kind of think you know what love is or you know what you know deep friendships are. And then you kind of, you get further into it and you go, actually, I don't really know. And then you kind of, that epiphany, that almost awareness then makes you go, right, you know, go back to sort of basics a little bit, go back to just being open and go, you know, make yourself more vulnerable, see what happens. And mm. that experimentation, experimentation bit helps you find find what you think it is then again and then you and yeah. then it continues again for a bit and I think it's kind of a bit of an evolving feast where you know every sort of five to ten years you're kind of learning more about it and even now you know going into adulthood you you really you know what does love look like when you go through marriage and then have kids and then you know you know have potential to um to live a life with you know the a single relationship for you know 40 years you know like does, mm. does it stay the same I, you know, I don't think so I think most of the people I speak to seem to have quite differing views of what, what they think love is and, yeah, you know, still trying to work it out, right? So I feel like a lot of people are still trying to work that out or even completely ignorant about it and just don't, are not even aware of where they're at with their relationships. But I can imagine starting off with your experiences being like all the way back to, to being bullied and being so like, on your own yeah to now to as you're saying just kind of opening up and almost like just because they don't reciprocate you're not going to die yeah and i imagine that's actually that's huge 
Because when you're bullied, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that that's one of the biggest epiphanies I've had because it's I think you're always expecting something back. If you don't get something back, you're disappointed or you mm. you know, you're a bit shocked, or maybe you actually get something back and you kind of vibe off that and you you kind of a bit more sort of receptive to it. But um that kind of self awareness is really hard to kind of acquire. And I notice mm. that when you start to get to that point where you can feel actually this this works a little bit better than I thought it did. And then you start to go, right, I can now start to show some of my vulnerabilities a bit more. So it's kind of this um, snowball yeah. effect kind of happens with it where if I make myself a little vulnerable, share a little bit more of myself, and actually nothing went wrong. Like, actually, mm. if anything, I got more respect off people for doing that. Or, you know, people kind of appreciated it, you know, the openness. And therefore, yeah. I am actually getting more back from that interaction. And straight away, it's going, right, now I feel empowered to do more of that. And, and it kind of just keeps going to a point where it's quite nice to – be open. I found in, in, in the social group that I'm in, especially with the uh, guys, actually, I think a lot of the guys just really do not open up like that to each other. They, I think yeah. if if you get close to conversations like that, they kind of shut it down or deflect it really quickly. Make a joke of it, a bit of banter. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And especially if you're in a group. I mean, God, if you're in a group, they will not do it at all. They'll like, they just deflect so quickly. If you then catch the same person, on your own and having a drink or something with them. And they, next thing you know, they're kind of opened up exactly about it. And then if you put them back in the group and kind of say, oh, you know, we had that conversation. Again, it's just like, it's never happened. And it's, it's yeah. so weird how guys do that, where they don't feel they can be themselves with, in, in a group of guys or even just with another guy. And I think I've noticed the people that seem to be um, more comfortable in their own skin have gone through a journey of it kind of not working for them you know, being open hasn't worked for them. They've either been bullied or they've kind of had negative mm. impact from it, from the actions that came back from the other person. And that's affected them. They kind of hit a bit of a low. But then after they've kind of had to kind of do a bit of soul search and work out, you know, why am I upset by that? You know, what is it that makes me not want to do that? And I think they've kind of come out the other end. And as a result, I think, you know, they're the people that you can see a mile off in a group, especially with guys. You know, they're the ones who are more comfortable yeah. in their own skin. You know, they're the ones who can share a feeling or take a joke on the chin and not have to, you know, worry about it. And, you know, they don't go and lose sleep over it. So, Do you think, I'm not going to, uh, like, try to say that you were probably quite an angry person because, but I, having been bullied as a child myself and, and knowing what it feels like to feel very kind of on your own, mm-hmm. I was pretty fucking angry, like, all the time. Do you think that that's kind of why guys are more angry and more kind of like prone to to you know having that fly off the handle like get into fights and stuff like that is because they are actually just it sounds a little bit I guess a little bit too therapy a little bit too no I I hear what you're saying I think there's probably a little bit of that it's interesting I wasn't necessarily angry actually as a kid um Mm. and well, I think one of the reasons was there's just there's no outlet for it. You, you know, the more angry I was at school when I'm getting bullied, the more fights mm. would happen and it just wouldn't go my way. So actually, did, it just didn't work for me, right? Yeah. Um, I had no other outlet. And actually, if anything, I became more passive and insular as a result of it. Mm. And even now, like I'm just, I'm quite a sort of passive person. You know, people start to be quite aggressive back to me. I've, I've learned just to not not give it anything. You know, you, you, 
someone feeds off that. If, you know, if there's anger in front of you mm-hmm. and you kind of, you know, get angry back, they've got something to work with. If you give them nothing, mm-hmm. there's, there's no way they can go for it. And it's clear who's who's got the issue. They're angry. Um, mm-hmm. So it becomes almost, you know, self-fulfilling that you can see where the issue is and, yeah. and what it is. I do think, though, however, it's, it's about the vulnerability of it. Um, I think the anger masks the vulnerability, I think. Mm. Um, or me being passive, for example, is masking, I'm not comfortable, right? I'll you know, pull back a little bit. And I think yeah. guys particularly probably focus on the anger part because mm. kind of the, what's expected in society of them, you know, to be the sort of alpha male and, and, and the, yeah. in a group or a pack. But, mm. but actually, I think, you know, um, I think it's when you start to get to the fact they feel vulnerable by either sharing their emotions or they feel um, vulnerable because they, you know, are getting jealous and therefore it's clearly an issue that they're not comfortable, you know, or, mm. you know, stuff like that, you know, that's when I see it the most. And I, you know, and I do it too as well. You know, I still have feelings like that. It's just, I'll probably learn to kind of recognize, Oh, actually I'm getting jealous. Not because, you know, it's, it's a natural to, I mean, everyone gets that right. But why? You know, I start to ask a question of why. Why am I getting jealous? You know, mm. is it because I'm overreacting? Is it because actually I feel threatened? You know, and or is it because actually this is new and it's a bit of an unknown? And actually, you know, maybe I should maybe just see where it goes a little bit. You know, it takes it takes a while to kind of temper that initial first reaction and kind of just say, okay, look, you know, let's just try and understand it a bit and pick it a bit. So. That's that's really interesting, actually, because of all the conversations I've had so far, jealousy is not actually a word that's come up yet. Mm. So I don't want to be like, oh, is that because it's such a guy thing? Because I don't think it is. Again, I've I've been there myself. But have you been the jealous person? Like, and what is that? Is that like fear? Is that insecurity? What? Where does that come from? Yeah, I, I, it, I, it all goes back to an insecurity, I think. Um and I think I think for a lot of things, whether it's jealousy or whether it's you know you feel like you're angry and stuff, a lot of that goes back to an insecurity. Ultimately, um, I've noticed. Um, so I, I think I get jealous when I feel threatened, and mm. that threatening sort of position could be you know I'm with someone and I feel okay, I might lose them. You know, it's completely because of my doing, and you know actually maybe they're just not into me as much as. Yeah, I'm into them and therefore I feel kind of, oh God, you know, I feel really exposed, vulnerable to them um, and therefore insecure. And I think that then starts to make me quite anxious about, you know, what if she some, she sees someone that's, you know, quite attractive or what happens if, you know, someone else comes along and, you know, just they seem to get on. It's been like that. And I think that's where the jealousy kicks in. But ultimately mm-hmm. it all goes back to that insecurity of maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm not, you know, the right fit for this person maybe you know that person's you know themselves aren't happy and you know i can see they're not happy and therefore mm. is it you know i feel like i'm gonna lose them you know so that kind of bit comes in and i think the other bit is um is also when you start to kind of open yourself up and maybe that person's not ready to open up yet you know and you feel a bit insecure because of that and it's not that they, mm. they're they not willing to it's just you know maybe it'll take a bit more time to process what you know, what opening up looks like. And I know I've got that with my current partner, uh, with Pip, you know, I think the way we process our feelings and emotions is so different. It, it complete polar yeah. opposites, in fact. You know, I'm really sort of like 
I feel something, I'll throw it on the table and try to just, you know, even if I understand it myself, I'll just kind of try to explain it and be really transparent about it. Whereas I think the pit, I think she has a, a feeling or emotion. She's kind of trying to work it out in her head. And until she's kind of got it clear in her head, she kind of keeps it in her head. Mm. And you can see it, you know, you can see her mind whirling around, you know, and I, yeah. you see she's thinking about something and I'm saying, you know, what's up? And she's like, nothing. And I'm being like, but clearly there's something up, you know, like you've got that level of closeness in a relationship where you know, mm. yeah, I know there's something there. And, and it's interesting how that clearly is also her being insecure about putting it out there on the table and just, you know, for whatever reason, it's not been accepted or, you know, maybe she doesn't know what it is and that's okay mm. as well, you know, like, you know, it takes a while to work out what we're really thinking for a while. So, yeah, I, yeah, that's a really interesting one because I, I think there's always those uh, jokes around like women asking guys, "What's wrong? What's the matter?" and they're just like nothing. And actually, that you've got the reverse there, and it, it's really interesting because the energy that you have in relation to the energy that Pip has, and you know, we Pip and I had a conversation as well. And actually, it would have come out before this one is so vastly different, mm. which are, which makes me wonder, is it, you know, that whole like opposites attract and stuff like that? Have you always been attracted to the kind of more? I don't know how to describe her, really, because, you know, the only uh, conversation I've actually had with her is 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 this conversation. Mm. But she she's comes across as quite confident, comes across as knowing what she wants and and says that she says what she wants whereas your energy is very calm as you said you're, you're quite passive because you don't want to meet people with their energy if it especially if it's like a negative energy kind of feels like my debt collection days on that when you're there <laughs> shouting at you and you're like don't shout don't shout don't yeah. match them yeah but that, I mean that's a conditioned thing right you know you mm. that's taken a long time to kind of get to that place where you can actually I'm not going to shout you know I don't need to shout you know so it's kind of that's been acquired I think I've always been attracted to people who are competent I think confidence mm. just across the board is attractive um I can give loads of examples where you know you you could see someone who's you know not that sort of not your type of person but they just mm. ooze this confidence you're like wow it's just a natural attraction to them I can you know I can mm. give an example of where I'm a heterosexual man and I can see see a, another man who's like clearly just confident in themselves confident in their own skin you know again be mm. like fair, fair play like you know I can respect yeah. and got to appreciate he's an attractive guy because of that you know um and I think that in itself I think I think probably gets um not enough sort of, of a look in when it comes to kind of when you first kind of interact with people um I've also you know inverse though been with attract really attractive people and they just lack confidence and lack that kind of energy, I guess. And mm. God, you know, the attraction wears off pretty quick. You know, you, yeah. you kind of get really early doors into a relationship and then kind of like, well, there's no, nothing more to it. And so kind of that peters out quickly. So I think it's definitely a big thing in most relationships. And I think it's definitely something I look for in a partner. I think the one thing that I found interesting about it, and this is probably because of my own experience as well, and kind of discovering myself a little bit in, in the way that I am, is it took me a long time to understand. I was always putting this sort of, this facade out of who I am, you know, really confident with work, you know, really, you know, people kind of, I want people to like me, so I kind of do that and want to fit in or I want to be an expert in my career or whatever it is. 
that's driving that behavior, but you're kind of always putting that on. But inside, you are a little bit nervous. You are a little bit insecure. Yeah. You know, you you know, you, you know, you you are a bit lost. You don't know whether it's the right path or not, or you know, you're not the expert you're claiming to be. You kind of, you know, you need that time to do that. And I, I kind of did that for a long time, pretty much throughout uh, my twenties and thirties, uh, early thirties. And I kind of just realized I was a bit like, you know, it's okay not to to be, you know, those things. And then, and with mm. that came letting go. But then I started seeing everyone else. I started to see actually, mm. there's so many people who put themselves out there, confident people. But when you get under the covers a little bit and you see see that, you can see actually they're really insecure. Mm. Um, the thing I find interesting is when you get someone who, when you have those conversations with them, whether they recognize that. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people who, when you start to kind of dig into that a little bit, you start to realize, wow, they they don't realize they're still doing this because they're yeah. not comfortable. Whereas yeah. when you when you find someone who um, kind of says, yeah, I'm I'm not confident, not as confident, but you know, like still carries on to the outward facing world that they are like that. Um, I think it's hugely attractive. I think I think for me, it's one of those things where actually that shows me someone who is confident, is outgoing, who's fun, but at the same time also, you know, understands themselves. You know, has yeah. a level of self awareness and doesn't have to be perfect. But you know, that that in itself is wow, like that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is. I I you know, you saying about um those that speak a good game but actually but you can see it and you're like yeah do do you really do you mm, i'm not sure about this um yeah see it all the time see it all the time and that's really interesting because as you say you've gone through a journey and i was speaking to someone recently about their journey from and maybe a bit of an extreme example but uh, their journey from uh, alcohol to sobriety mm. and how that shifted their relationships fundamentally shifted everything for them. And has that affected your relationships? I know you say you're going through a divorce and things, but, uh, and you're with, you're now with Pip, but does that kind of, you're in, if you're in a relationship and you're on that journey, has that shifted that? Yeah, totally. Um, it has. Um, and I, I see things like that. As a, as a bit of a kind of there's two ways of looking at it, really. There's the first of all, you can mm. use it as escapism, mm. um, which largely is okay. You know, it's not, it's, you know, it's a good way of doing it, to be honest. Uh, it's a good way of maybe, you know, if you're a group of people, you know, having a drink, helps kind of mm. just relax a little bit, you know, so it can be quite productive in a way. But it, there is a fine line between it tipping to this is now destructive mm. and I found myself, for example, you know, going out when I was when I was in previous relationships, you know, going out and kind of having a drink and, you know, and then it started to end up being, you know, I did it because I'm letting my hair down, but then it kind of ended up being going out and having more and meeting more people and, you know, putting me in positions of potentially, you know, you kind of look back and go, God, that's, that's me crying out for help a little bit, you know. Mm. I'm clearly not happy where I am. I wouldn't be doing that if I was. Um, and... And that's when it switches into that destructive mode. And the thing I realized with that sort of stuff is you you kind of realize that at the time, it's, you just can't see it. 
because it's, yeah. it's just kind of gradually happening or it just happens and you you kind of just go with it but when you when you look back and go god that was me being this self-destructive and having that epiphany that i'm being self-destructive like do i continue down this path mm. or do i actually address maybe why i'm being disruptive you know that that is a huge thing and i think most of the time you know especially when i was younger i probably would just carry on until it's destroyed whatever the situation is uh, mm. either out of the relationship or actually kind of falls apart naturally anyway um but i think now it's a bit more like okay i'm doing it and it's probably quite a telling sign of you know what's going on is it because i'm too stressed or is it because i'm you know is it because actually i'm not communicating yeah. how i feel and therefore i'm kind of using this as an outlet is it you know is it because i'm just letting my hair down and um and i'm doing it constructively you know and therefore I can take it, leave it. And, but you can definitely kind of get a better control of it if you kind of realise that there is a tipping point to being productive and destructive. Mm. Um, and there's times where I've kind of come off, you know, drinking and booze and whatever else because, you know, you just go, actually, you know, I need to probably think about why I'm doing it. Not not because, yeah. you know, I feel like I'm just going to keep going on. And, I, yeah, I do miss it. But I, I must admit, I do miss the socialising, the, the kind of like, you know, what it brings with it rather than the actual mm. uh vice itself so yeah i know i i i stopped drinking last year in at the end of january because i was like too much like oh i just want to get obliterated but also because i kind of was putting the pieces together realizing that a lot of my relationships started fueled by alcohol yeah and if i'm gonna be honest and live the way i want to live then maybe I need to kind of find those relationships, start those relationships sober, because it's sober me is a very different yeah. need to a to a to a drunk me. No, and I get and I get that, and I think I've started many relationships in a similar way. And mm. I you know I'm a big drinker, and I think one thing that I found interesting is, I think before it used to be kind of you go out all the time that's kind of you all the time you know yeah. and therefore that you're almost selling this vision of who that person is to to the 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 mate that you've got there mm. um and that's not sustainable I mean, it's just yeah you get to the point where you're like yeah. i can't keep me that person <laughs> yeah. i think that's where it comes unstuck right and um, one thing i find interesting is it's it's in that period there where you start to realize, okay, is there a base for a relationship or is this kind of just a short term mm. thing where, you know, it works for you know, a bit, but in reality, it's never going to kind of transition to that long term relationship. And I think that's the interesting bit. And I, I had this with Pip, uh, weirdly, where, you know, we were kind of, we met, like you said, you know, just going out drinking, you know, quite sort of high octane mm. kind of environment. But there was times I'm just like, actually, you know, I just want to spend time with her. Like yeah. with or without the drink, and I just remember being in a place where I was just a bit like, you know, I can take or leave this, or go back and just spend the evening with her, and actually, just I'm, I'm just happy doing both. Whereas I think in previous relationships, I'd be like, no, I actually want to stay out. I enjoy the kind of environment that I'm in, and, you know. Mm. And it's the first time I'm kind of going. Actually, I'm willing to kind of just let that go a little bit because I found someone I actually really want to spend time with. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if that's just getting older as well. You know, it probably plays a part, of course, but. Um, I think there's a number of aspects like that that kind of were telling signs that I found someone I really love. Mm. In like I was quite a career person, for example. You know, um, yeah. career has always been fairly 
at the forefront of uh, most of my life. And then had my own businesses as well. Um, so again, mm. quite intense, taking on a lot of time and energy. Um, and for the first time, I was just like, actually, you know what? I'm happy just not spending all my time doing that and my energy doing that. I actually want to put a bit more time into my relationship. Whereas before, I think, if I was being honest with myself, I don't think I would have done that. I think I, it was always, mm. I want to have a relationship because that's what people do. But I don't want to give the other stuff up because I really enjoy that. And that I was kind of, I suppose, in my head going, you know, try and do both, but which never yeah. works really. But um, yeah, the first time I've realised actually, I want to prioritise my relationship over work or career or you know, drinking or going out and stuff. So, what does that feel like to to want to prioritise someone over everything else that you, something that you've been doing for years and you identified with for for years? What does that actually feel like? Um. Initially, quite. Um, I can quite, feel like quite a relief. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. It's, it, it's quite a relief because you're kind of like, wow, like I don't have to do this shit anymore. So you kind of like yeah. just go, wow, okay, great, like that's cool. I'm really comfortable with that. But then you're like, I don't know what to do here. Like, right. I've never, I've never been second fiddle to someone. You know, I've never, I've always been the alpha in the relationship or the provider in the relationship. Yeah. And to go to them, be like, actually, I'll, you know, maybe I'll be. The stay-at-home mom, you know, because like that's mm-hmm. a bit weird, you know. It's kind of like, and you kind of go, oh, "Do I want to do that?" And you kind of start questioning yourself a bit, but you know, you st- it's it's it takes a bit of an adjustment, and I think it's also just not not necessarily go from one extreme to another and like a pendulum or something. I think it is mm-hmm. finding where where that middle ground is. You know, you still have your dreams and ambitions. Like, I have this real strong belief where you. There's, there's three parts you've got to fulfill. There's kind of you as an individual, there's mm. you as your relationship, and then when you get into having a family and things like that, you, you've got the, the collective of the family. Yeah. And if you don't sort of give attention to all three of those, mm. it, it doesn't work. Like, it's it's not working. You know, you either feel like you're not being yourself because you're spending so much time in a relationship and with kids and stuff, and therefore you need to let your hair down. You, you lose yourself a little bit. Or... You, you kind of become one in a relationship and you just, you know, you're not getting your own time. You know, you feel like you you are literally at the behest of the other person and therefore you, and you know, don't get me wrong, you know, in early starts of relationships, you know, you kind of do that for the first couple of months and it's fun because that's what you want to do. But you get to a yeah. point where you can't sustain that. You know, you've got to still be you at some point. You know, you've got to have mm. passions and dreams you want. You know, there's needs that you have that may not be the same as your, your partner's. So, that's got to happen. And I think with kids, it's an interesting one. When you add that element in, it's, you know, kids take time and energy and it's you, you kind of can't control that. So mm-hmm. I think it probably impacts women more than men, but they consume your first couple of years of them. Yeah. Consumes you. So you lose yourself and your relationship quite quickly, you know. Yeah. And I think that's quite hard. And I think trying to get back to yourself and kind of recognise there is you're still a person. You still have your own needs. You know, take some doing. I think, and that's when that sort of family bit comes in play. You know, where you know I have to give some time to to help my partner kind of still be herself. You know, that might be looking after the kids. It might be actually letting mm-hmm. you know, them go out with the girls and or and sort of you know helping them do that sort of thing, or you know uh, dropping them off and doing stuff. You know, dropping them off for a night out or something. You know, whatever it is. But you know, you've got that yeah. kind of like you know those three still have to exist. And I noticed that when I'm with someone who doesn't kind of um, give enough to sort of one of those parts, you kind of, 
see the impact it has in your relationship and it kind of plays out and they're not happy and you know ultimately mm. the relationship's not happy as well mm. and so i guess what i what i feel like with that is finding that balance especially if you do have kids as well because like you say that you can't control how that plays out because a kid is a kid and yeah. shit happens one day they're fine and they're like leave me alone the next day they're like falling out a tree and going to hospital and that's it and they're sick or whatever and they need uh extra attention where and all these things and i guess you can't give a hundred percent to each part no and is it almost like a kind of is it almost like it's one day you're giving 50% to one and it's constantly shifting? So something has to get more one day, but as long as you're aware. That, yeah. You yeah. Know. I, th I think, I think it's definitely like that. I think it is, you know, you, you can't largely control that. You know, there's a, there's times where you can't be yourself because you're busy with mm. work, you know, or you can't be yourself because your kids and your family need you, you know? And mm. so therefore you can't give, time to being yourself that day but i think the the key is to kind of recognize that okay look you know i spent all week doing stuff with the kids you know this weekend i'm going to try to you know get an hour to read a book for myself or watch the tv show i want to watch and be me be, be me as an individual and then the same goes for the relationship you know it's so easy in relationships and i've had this quite a few relationships where life just takes over you know your relationship just ends up being you, you kind of cohabit but mm -hmm. you're not really in a relationship. You know, you're, you're kind of not having those interactions you used to have. You're not really spending that quality time together. And that quality time might be hard to come by because you've got kids. You know, it might be yeah. that largely you just can't make that time. But I think even just recognizing that it's imbalanced helps. Mm. You know, because yeah. then it kind of allows you both to kind of recognize, okay, look, we, we know we're, we're not getting time together as a couple. So that's mm. probably why we're short with each other. That's probably why we, we you know, things aren't working the way they should be or like they used to rather yeah. than constantly soul searching for why it's not working or it never used to be like that. And yeah. I think from that point, you start to then carve it out a little bit and whatever that looks like, you know, and it's different for everyone else. Um, there's times where, for example, when I've had my business where trying to carve time, time out to spend with my partner was just, you know, near impossible. You know, the time would you get would be like half an hour to an hour max, mm. which is pretty crap considering you went from, you know, having full on date nights and, you know, spending weekends away and stuff like that. But mm. that's just what it is, you know? And then when you have kids, it's the same thing. But I think the fact that you even recognize that you need to give it some, something yeah, is a huge part of it. And, you know, I think my current part as well, we've had periods where our careers, especially with COVID actually, because we both work in healthcare and health tech. Mm. Um, you know, that was quite interesting because we went from being busy to being really busy. Mm. And it was kind of like, actually, you know, just make sure that we kind of give each other just 30 minutes, like where we just have a drink together and we don't talk about work and we just like say, you know, how are you getting on, check in with each other almost. And that in itself, I think, was worth every penny of it to just have that 30 minutes. We could both switch off and feel like we're a couple. If we didn't do that, yeah, we wouldn't have felt like that. And I think, mm. I think it's at the time you don't re recognize it, but I think you recognize it, you know, in hindsight they go actually that was that's how you kind of make the relationship work for those periods yeah so and uh, by all means i i totally understand if, if you don't want to go down this route but yeah, having you know talking about 
it's almost like basically you're saying communication is key if you can both come to the table with your with your staff and that's working for you in this relationship but as you say you are going through a, a divorce and what's that like because when you get married and this is a thing when you get married and you say those vows and you're like forever till death do us part and as i've said before uh, in another conversation, I, I watched my dad do it for the third time. And I was like, at what point do these mean fuck all? Like, at what point do you still believe that you, you've said that for the third time? Do you really believe it? I guess most people, when they get when they say those vows, they mean them. They don't see that things are going to change. But what I'm trying to get at, was it hard? It's an interesting one. So it is hard. Um, and I pretty much nearly had a breakdown going through that whole mm. process. Um, did, in fact, I'd say. It's an interesting one. I've, I've seen two types of people do it. And so speaking from my own experience, I feel like at the time that I entered that relationship and chose to get married and got married and then had a child, I I did believe it. I, you know, I did, I did, mm. I did believe, going, actually, this is a good person. I can see myself being with them, um, and I've always wanted children. And, you know, this is a good mm-hmm. person to have a child with. But there was something that was interesting. I guess my reference point for is this love mm. was just, like, based on, you know, what, what understanding do I have of you know, whether this is love, whether this is the one. Yeah. It's only when I then met the person that I – and with now, and I was like, shit, that's, that's what it should feel like. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, fuck, all that's wrong then, isn't it? And I'm like, what do I do now? Like, I clearly yeah. don't love that person. And I knew I said it was forever, but, like, how can I now pretend that it's, that's all fine, you know? And mm. so it got to the point where I was a bit like, Jesus, like, I didn't know what love is until I kind of had it. And and it's it, one like, of those weird things. You in the face. Yeah. yeah, it did, and it was. It's one of those where you kind of just it makes you realise that your reference point was all wrong for it. So I guess to answer your question a little bit, at the time you feel like you, you you know you're right in doing that, and mm. it feels right, and you feel committed to it, and you have you know genuine belief that. But then when you mm. then realise that that's kind of moved on a bit, and you realise actually that's not what you thought love was, and. You, know, you can have feelings for other people that you know clearly you shouldn't have if you love that person. Mm. Then you're like, "Wow, okay, that's clearly not the case, then, is it?" And your ref- yeah, your whole reference point is just changed, and um, and that's when you then got to start untangling it all, which is hard. The mm. other bit is, uh, and for me, I found this was, am I doing that because I'm not happy? or not feeling acceptance. So knowing pre- previously that I did a lot of stuff for acceptance or people pleasing or, you know, you know, it was exciting to kind of meet someone new. Would it end up in the same place? You know, mm. you got, I kind of had to ask myself those questions going, look, you know, I know I've had a tendency to do that previously. Is it just another situation like that? And yeah. it's only when I started to do that, I was like, no, actually I would really genuinely miss this person. If I wasn't with them, I was, you know, I'm willing to go through going through a separation divorce and I've got a child and I said I'd never never do that um for my daughter's sake but I was like but I don't think I can 
honestly say that and stick by that if mm. you know that means stepping away from uh, my current partner so so I think it was an interesting one where I think that was the biggest I've been going shit this is really like someone I love and that's someone I clearly don't um and then you got to navigate getting there yeah. yeah that that's that's that itself is a hard thing to do but one thing I find interesting as well is I've met so many people since going through that process where I talk to to people and they're kind of like you know can't believe I've done what I've done you know can't believe I've mm. you know got into that state and then kind of thrown it all away to then be with this one person but they're also the same sort of people who often are kind of like you see other sort of people who go and essentially you know on a boys' night out, potentially have an extramarital affair, you know, or they, you know, they're mm. kind of like, yeah, they flirt and they do that. And I'm a bit like, well, you know, like you, you kind of, on one side, say you wouldn't do that, but I'm seeing actions and, you know, words and actions I recognize, right? That are kind of saying that you don't love that person. You know, if you love them and respect them enough, you wouldn't do it like that. Yeah. Do you think that, um, and I've seen this before, I've seen this a lot actually. Do you think that those that have an opinion, those that throw judgment is because actually it threatens their way of doing, being, existence, how they think, how they operate. Yeah, it's a good question, though. Um, I think you definitely see that, yeah. I think they're they're trying to sort of keep that narrative or, or going in their own mind that actually, yeah, no, I'm still doing the right thing. Um, you definitely see that. I think the other thing you see that goes with that is um, is they I think they've probably kind of accepted that's how they live their life mm. and when they see someone else do something different and then potentially be happier they kind of go shit like starts maybe opening up the Pandora's box for them going actually am I, mm. am I doing the right thing should I do the same you know, does my partner think I'm going to do the same? Yeah, am I going to get, mm. you know, questioned on it? You know, I think they maybe have to justify them their actions a little bit more themselves, and therefore they start projecting, yeah, on onto other people what their opinion is to try and protect that. And it's mm-hmm. and it is interesting that projection bit. I find quite a bit the opinions either because they are either convincing themselves or it's because they are not judge. I don't even see it as judgment if I was to be honest, because I see it as you're you're trying to share what your view is but you're quite dogmatic mm. with it potentially is what I often find yeah. and it is one of those where it's been like what why are you doing that like are you trying to convince me that i've done wrong mm. um i you know and that you know that might be the case right um but often i find it is them projecting their own emotions and feelings on it yeah and when i start to push back a little bit and say no why do you think that you know what, what is it that you think i'm doing wrong or like, can you maybe put yourself in my shoes and understand why why I'm doing this, you know, why I'm comfortable with it? And you start to see their sort of world crack a little bit. And that's and I try not to kind of do that too much because it's not very nice to see the other person kind of have that kind of happen in front of them or on them. But mm. you do start to see, oh, wow, okay, now you're showing your vulnerability more than you realise. Yeah. Just by projecting yeah. yourself. And it's interesting when you do that. But I had that the other week, actually. Yeah. Someone did that. And um, they were telling me about how, you know, how well their career's going and, you know, how they've got a really nice home with a family home and stuff like that. And it's kind of just bragging about it. And I was just like, why are you, why are you bragging about it? Like, I think, you know, and I kind of had the conversation saying, look, you know, I've had my own business, you know, do relatively well as well. You know, 
etc. He had a good relationship. Um, and he wasn't interested in hearing that. I'd be like, what? Okay, so you only want to project what you think you're doing well. And I'd be like, wow, okay. Mm. And then I started to probe it a little bit and be like, what is it that you, um, what is it you want me to get for this? Like, do you want me to go away mm. thinking, great, he's got his shit together? Like, yeah. is it you want me to think that, okay, I, you know, he's doing better than I am and therefore going to put me down? Like, what, what is it? And I was just a bit like, hmm. And then when I stopped interacting with it, because I was a bit like, you know, I'm, there's other people at this party, right? I'm going to chat to other people. Um, I think he really struggled because it, nobody, took, nobody kind of took it on. Like, like nobody, everyone yeah. kind of saw through it. And I was a bit like, oh, wow. Like, this is why, like, his world, in, in his mind, his world kind of must have gone a little bit. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Because um, he clearly isn't comfortable himself, yeah. Yeah. That's always like, oh, shit. Works. Yeah. yeah. And it's really interesting because I, talking about frame of reference and what love is, and now you're like, you know, it's kind of like slapped you upside the head. And it's like, hey, no, this is what it is. And you you come across as as very quiet quietly confident kind of person, and as I I spoke to Pip about like boundaries, are you in a place now where you have and are able to communicate your boundaries and accept someone else's boundaries? So so boundaries are an interesting one. So Pip, for example, is always telling me I'm, I'm not very good with boundaries. <laughs> um. I think partially because I don't communicate them very well. Mm. Um, I think communication is definitely a, a common thread uh, in, in a lot of my um, relationships. Um, but the one thing I find interesting is I think I've started to kind of be more comfortable with where my boundary is and not be mm. too offended if someone has crossed them and quietly kind of walk away from that rather than constantly have to reinforce them, mm. um, unless it's a boundary that, you know, I need to reinforce, but you know, if someone oversteps the boundary and upsets me, you know, I'm not going to, Oh, well, I've got two options really. I, either I can you know, keep arguing and you know, reinforce mm. that boundary and kind of, you know, say, right, I have to kind of make them realize I've overstepped the mark or I just kind of say it once and then just kind of, you know, follow through the action that I said that I would if they crossed that boundary. So, for example, I've had that with family where they've overstepped the mark with the boundary, and rather than constantly argue with it, because it's just bloody tiring, to be honest. Yeah. You know, just actually be like, look, you know, you overstepped the mark, and I don't really want to talk to you. And, mm. I'll, you know, I'll reach out to you when I'm ready, basically, and just be like that. And they, they find that really hard. But it's interesting how... um I found myself being more comfortable with my boundaries that I don't mm -hmm. have to keep reasserting myself to kind of do them. And I can actually respect the fact that people overstep them and, you know, I don't have to kind of actually give anything to that. The, I, the thing, I guess the thing I've learned with it, I think this just goes for everything that I, um, whether it's work or relationships, like if you're giving energy to something, you clearly care about it. Like you, you care because yeah. you want to put that energy in. And if you don't, if you don't care, then, you gotta ask yourself the question: Why am I, why am I putting that energy into like, getting angry by it? Why am I putting that energy into mm. getting upset by it? Like, if I truly didn't care, I would just move on and do, you know, fix on something else. And 
put my energy yeah. somewhere else. And I found that by doing that, I've, I felt more comfortable with those boundaries. So even if I haven't set it right or communicate it properly, then I can correct that by just saying, you know, actually you've overset the boundary and, and tell them why. But I equally can just leave it and go, well, actually, I've told them three times now as well. And I keep mm. doing it. I don't have to keep playing this game with, with everyone. And it's mm. yeah, it's a huge weight off shoulders to kind of not have to worry about those boundaries so much. Um, yeah. And what's that like with, you know, with your relationship with Pip, who, again, has said that she's very much into boundaries and this is what she wants how does that how does that work when two people have boundaries you yeah. hope that they both are in the same area in the same space how does that work if you know i'm not saying that you have had boundaries like or or kind of moments where they they don't overlap but how do you navigate that especially as at the moment boundaries is a fucking buzzword everybody's yeah, talking about yeah. boundaries and my boundary you should have boundaries and you should set boundaries um but what what is missing from the narrative is is how do you navigate that when you're in a relationship where you're both communicating your boundaries and you both clearly love each other and mm. want to be in that space together, but maybe they're slightly different. Do you, do you know what? I think you're right with the buzzword of boundaries for sure. Um, mm. Everything seems about setting your boundaries, being clear with it. Um, and do you know what? I, th I think that's bullshit. I think... Yeah, you, you kind of set these boundaries, but often you don't know what your boundary is yet because you, you might not even be comfortable with how you feel about something. Do you know what I mean? Like, how yeah. can you set a boundary if you don't even know yourself how you feel about that mm. particular issue or that particular area of it? Like, so I think that's I think trying to just force everyone to set boundaries, I think, is is a bit false. I mean, you can set one and then be acknowledge it's a bit fluid. Mm. Um, I think the other bit is setting a boundary and then how you feel about it. I think a lot of people almost set it to justify how they feel about something. You know, I feel angry, right? Mm -hmm. Because you crossed this line. Well, maybe we should look at why you feel angry. Like, what is it mm -hmm. that is actually making you angry? Yeah. Because that's the real issue. You're, you're doing this to stop yourself feeling angry. And we're setting boundaries and you still feel angry. So clearly, maybe it's the anger, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and I think I've definitely had that with Pip, where we, we set boundaries with each other and they kind of, you know, get crossed um you know either slightly or seriously or whatever but the one thing i find really interesting is it's quite hard to then have a conversation after about how does that make you feel you know what mm. you know like why did i react the way i did when they they crossed that boundary you know like mm. is it because maybe i've overreacted more sensitive for whatever reason mm. um rather than it being the actual boundary itself you know that could be a thing yeah, you know, and often I find it's always in there. It's always in those little small things of um, we set all these boundaries, but actually it's about almost like a defense mechanism. I've put that in place for a reason. And I've got to ask myself the question, why do I set that boundary and why am I upset mm -hmm. when someone crosses it? Mm -hmm. And that is usually where the actual root issue is. And if you can master that bit, it, it yeah. almost doesn't matter about the other bit at all. Yeah. Whereas you could argue, argue to the cows come home on that boundary it being crossed. And the other person may never see it as well. That's the other bit as well. Like you're assuming the other person acknowledges that boundary, like you said, and it's just different. You know, they may, you know, for example, may be really comfortable with certain bits that I'm not. And therefore I've set a really rigid boundary for her. Mm. And she's just like trampled all over it because she just doesn't see that boundary at all. And vice versa. I know we've both, we've done it to each other for sure on different areas. 
And it's interesting how it's really hard to then have a conversation about why we feel the way we do about that boundary cost. And that's where the, our communication breaks down, if I was to be honest. Mm. It's when that's happened and we both feel kind of triggered a little bit. Um, and we're not really able to communicate in that that time. Um, it takes a bit of cooling down period to get there. So it's in the why. It's almost like here's my boundaries, but actually this is actually where it comes from. Yeah. Rather than just like mm, these are my boundaries. I saw it on a Twitter article. Like yeah. this is what I don't want, and this is what I want. And then it's like okay, but that's only going to work if, if there's a why well look we, talk, we talked about jealousy earlier right here's a good example yeah. of this. um i set a boundary i don't want you to um do this sort of thing um because it kind of puts in a position where you know guys will come at her and mm. kind of makes makes me feel really vulnerable with our relationship maybe and first of all that boundary's been set it's kind of a weird one because it's below like, well, i'm setting it because i'm insecure mm-hmm if I just set that boundary, it seems crazy. And she's like, why are you trying to hold me back? You know, why, you know, mm. also, do you not trust me? And, you know, starts to call the question. And I, I often say to her, it's not that I don't trust you, it's I don't trust the other people. Also, I just, I feel vulnerable. It's actually mm. got, and this is the irony of it, it's actually got nothing to do with whether I trust you or not. I actually do trust you. It's my insecurity, and I know it's my insecurity. I just don't know how to deal with it right now. Um, and I know I should should not feel that uncomfortable with it, but I do, I, you know. Yeah. And therefore, just acknowledging that it's because of that kind of makes her realise, you know, why it's an issue for me. And maybe we could do things differently to help support that and not trigger that insecurity. But equally, it might be just, look, I'm working on it. It's just I'm not there right now. Yeah. I need another three, four months of just kind of working through that myself and to be more mm. comfortable with my own skin. And that's okay. But that, So therefore, the boundary seems largely pointless it's just actually having that dialogue it kind of it does allow you to have that dialogue of why that boundary mm. is set what's the real motive behind it you know rather yeah. than kind of using that to hide behind because that's often what you do right you hide behind that boundary you know and, yeah. and, and to be fair like, a lot of those boundaries are odd ones where they'll be boundaries because they are you know i feel uncomfortable with certain things because of my childhood you know mm-hmm. how the hell would pip know that you know she's yeah. got no context for that so yeah. therefore, for her, it's a bit like, well, why are you setting this really odd boundary, let alone expecting her to then live by that yeah. or honour that? Yeah. You know, it's, it's crazy. It is crazy. And like what you're saying makes, it uh, just makes sense. And I know for some people, they're just like, oh, fuck. But um, when you say that, like, kind of like, it could be something from your childhood. What is the difference between whether you can answer this like what you thought love was then to how love feels now that you you know now it's like i said now it's punch in the face yeah what's the what's what's the difference is there a difference or is it actually you finally found what you thought love was when you were a kid no no i I think (laughs) <laughs> I love that. No, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard one to articulate, and it's, it's often mm. one that I try to articulate to people actually because they, because obviously I've had to explain why I've kind of made the life choice I had, especially when it comes to the mm. divorce and separation, to be with my current partner. And yeah, they sometimes get it and don't get it. Um, but mm. ultimately, I think I thought I had a view of what love would be, you know, that kind of Disney mm. fantasy. Mm. Realize it isn't that, and then kind of thought, right, well, I'm compromising. Like, can I get as close to that as possible? 
and therefore, you know, I found a good person, you know, because, you know, I'm not going to get to the point where I, you know, get frustrated with her. I can settle down with her, got married. Then I met someone who I love and I was like, oh, actually, like, I feel I want to spend time with this person. I actually, like, find them attractive. I want to spend time with them, got to know them better. I feel like I can be myself. And that, that was mm. a big thing. I can actually share how I feel and not, not worried about being judged by it. I can put it out there mm. and feel like actually, and like it's in a, it is a safe space to do it. And whereas I think in my previous relationship, I couldn't do that. And so I realized actually that's, that's a fundamental flaw in it. And I've realized that's clearly what love must be. And it also allows you to grow it. Mm. You know, the fact you can be yourself with someone and not have to worry about ramifications of what you say, do, and kind of, just put it out there if you're feeling vulnerable and still feel safe. Like that's fucking huge. And um yeah, and I found someone I can do that with. And so I think I have realized that you need like it has to be someone who can make you feel safe and secure and get you. Like mm. and equally you get them. One thing that I would say that's interesting is it doesn't mean it'll be an easy relationship. Yeah. Like, that's the thing that I found, like, a real mind-blowing head fuck. It's kind of like, I found the person I love. Like, even when I'm angry at them, I still love them. Like, I just, you know, I still want to hug them after I've, mm. you know, got pissed off with them. But, fuck me, it's hard work. Like, mm. it's not, you know, I've been with people it's just easier being in a relationship with them, but there's just not that love. You know, it's kind of, you know, as a passive person, it's kind of, you can just keep going like that for 40 years, but you won't really feel fulfilled or happy. But it's mm. easier. Yeah. I think with, with Pip, it's definitely a harder relationship to be in because we clash a lot. We're quite similar. We Probably why we understand each other, why we can share things so openly. Mm. Um, but it does feel like you kind of, you know, we can be more open as a result of that. But equally, we're still supporting each other, discover each other, like ourselves as well, and mm. our journey and, and our relationship more. And that then means that sometimes there's days where, you know, we just can't communicate properly. Maybe we try yeah. to and it just doesn't land with each other. Or maybe, you know, you call the other person out for, you know, you, you're annoyed with that boundary, but actually, you know, is it because you're, you've got the issue? Is it because you're insecure, you know, and, you know, mm. to be able to say that, it could be greeted with a massive defensive kind of reaction going, no, it's not me. <laughs> it's yeah. definitely you. Yeah, yeah. Or it could be actually, oh yeah, maybe it is, but it depends on what state of mind you're in to receive that information. I think, um, I'm having to learn for the first time about how I deliver and communicate yeah. what I see a lot more, whereas before I probably didn't think about it so much. Um, there's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there's almost like a duality that you have to come to accept that you can actually love someone while also be like absolutely be really fucked off with them and maybe even in a way kind of like hate something that's happened, Yeah, but you still love them. And I think... I wonder if that duality is just something that people can't quite get their heads around, that you can be both, that yeah, you can have. I, I think that's it. I think that's it. You nail on the head there. It's both, isn't it? It's on a scale. Love and hate's on a scale, right? And it's mm. kind of like they can both coexist and they can swing across that scale, like, mm. instantly almost. But the one thing I found is at the end of it, I still go, yeah, but I'm still willing to work at that. Yeah, mm. If it didn't work today, well, I'm still going to work on that tomorrow because I still love this person. Whereas I think previously in relationships, I would have kind of got to a point where I'm like, enough's enough. You know, mm -hmm. there's, a, there's a tolerance level. Whereas mm -hmm. I know now there isn't a tolerance level. 
like it's just like I'm just going to keep going until till it works, and if it never works, then I'm also okay with that. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what's changed because mm. you then realise actually I'm I'm happy to live like this, even if it's not perfect, and it still makes me happy. And actually, I still love that person. Mm. Whereas I think before, you know, there'd definitely be sort of red lines where, you know, if you know, if it's not as exciting anymore, right? Okay, yeah, probably out of the relationship. If if there's, you know, things, um, if we don't, you know, spend time together, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm out of the relationship. You know, there'd definitely be a point where I'd be like, okay, I'm enough's enough, I'd walk away. Whereas I don't find that now. There's no walk away point, which is scary yeah. in itself. I might add. Yeah, I can imagine. All right, we're gonna like I'm gonna wrap this up now. Now, something that with everybody that I've had the conversation with, even those that don't know me and I don't know them, always put it back out there because I know that I'm the one asking the questions. Do you have a question for me? Yeah. What What is it you think is the most important thing about love? The most important thing about love yeah, to you. Having had these, to be honest, having had these conversations, but knowing probably before that anyway, because of what I yearn for in a relationship that I have yet to experience. And I think this goes all the way back to childhood anyway, is um, something that you actually highlighted, which is a feeling of safety. Hmm. To be free in who you are, and how you express yourself, not that, you know, to express yourself and be a dick, but there's a, a level of, of, of safety to be vulnerable, to be that nerdy person. You want to geek out on something. You want to do your kitchen dance um, and also just be vulnerable in, in those moments where you need to grieve something or yeah. be scared or and have that safe space and that person being able to create that safe space so I think safety for me is something that I think will be as I look for it will be a huge a huge thing yeah no no it's interesting because uh yeah I didn't realize how important it is um and also what you think safety is mm. yeah you have a like an impression of what that safety looks like but safety might mean someone allows you to push your buttons a little bit it kind of makes you feel a bit unstable yeah. to allow you Challenge to then you. like open up and then then you feel mm -hmm. safe you're like oh shit like that's what safety is i didn't realize that yeah you know whereas yeah. it could you know before it would have been safety is like someone who just like allows me not to talk about it you know so yeah no i think but i think it's it's like you've said about quite a few things it's, it's a spectrum of one day that safety is being allowed to just be absolutely mental. Uh, and the next day it's allowing, like knowing that they can push your buttons, but there's safety in knowing that if you walk away, cause you need space that you can come back again, Yeah. that you can like, be like, mm, can't, can't do this. Need to need some time to work this one out. And and knowing that they're still going to be there, it's not like um, I think I've I've lived in a very much and as my therapist would have said, it's like a very black and white, very in or out. Yeah, you can only be one or the other. And and again, going back to that duality of of yeah, say I think yeah, safety is 
is huge. And I have a feeling that that is going to feel incredibly scary, but incredible at the same time. Yeah. It, I mean, it, I feel like that now. It's kind of, like I said, it's one of the hardest relationships I've been in because of that uncomfortability sometimes. But you're kind of caught every time by that safety that, okay, it's uncomfortable, but maybe I just share that I'm uncomfortable. You know, like, mm. shit, like, I don't, you know, I don't need to have an answer right now. I don't need, you know, and that's kind of the safety kicking in that you can do that and still, you know, be it'll be okay or you'll have a second chance to have that conversation or whatever, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's 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 kind of where I'm at at the moment. That's that's what I've been, that's always been at the back of my mind for, for quite some time. So who knows? Nice. Who yeah. knows? But honestly, Ash, thank you so much. This has been really really good absolutely blow my stereotypes of of men away thank you no um and um yeah thank you very much no, thanks for it's, been, it's it. been fun I hope, I hope it allows other guys to open up a bit more about it stuff so <laughs> cheers <laughs> <laughs>